Father just released one this year on prayer in which he says uh, he has not written anything new, but it's a compilation of what those that have gone on before have written. He quotes from Owen, Calvin, Augustine, Luther, Edwards, Richard Sibbs, and even one that I've come to know and love is Ole Hallisby. But Tim Keller's book on prayer, if you don't have it, I recommend strongly that you get it, devour it, and meditate on it. He's uh, done a great job. The other one is um, one that I've had for some time. It's by D.A. Carson. It's called A Call to Spiritual Reformation, in which D.A. Carson has gone through all of Paul's prayers and the epistles and shows us how Paul prays and what reformation in today's world would look like. It's another book I recommend that if you don't have in your library to get a hold of. Um, I've loaned it to somebody once who said I have to read this book with a dictionary nearby. But Carson is a very good uh, writer and I recommend it, that, he, uh, that you read his stuff as much as possible. So I also want to say to you that I am not telling you what I do here. I'm kind of like the beggar who has found a lot of food and then will tell you where to get it. Um, the old practice what you preach can apply to me. I am not, I've not arrived, but here are things that I've discovered. I'm working on and this, I'm, not, I'm sure that you're not, don't have the same problem I do and that is I start aggressively and eagerly to try to create habits and after a while they kind of disappear. One person that I've read said that a new habit takes 21 days to make. If you can do the same thing for 21 days, it will become a habit. But you have to do it without breaking the sequence. If you break the sequence, you start all over, 21 more days. Um, it's a good thing because I've learned that it's true. Because I've bro broken the sequence a lot on various things, and this one in particular, it's easy to let go. So today we're going to focus on what prayer is, some practical things, what, how Paul prays, some rules, some principles, some things to think about. You can incorporate them or in your personal life or not. Um, but things that I've found I'd like to share with you. I'll start out with the Westminster Catechism on prayer. And it says, what is prayer? Prayer is an offering up of our desires unto God for things agreeable to his will. In the name of Christ, with confession with our, of our sins, and thankful acknowledgement of his mercies. Offering up of our desires unto God for things agreeable to his will. So maybe my, our thoughts when we pray for things are not necessarily agreeable to his will. We have to make sure that they are. In the name of Christ, with confession of our sins and thankful acknowledgement of his mercies. I like Westminster Catechism on this. But moving on, the um, thing that there was a uh, conference this past week on the inerrancy of Scripture. It was led by John MacArthur, and if you have not caught any of this, 
I think it's online. You can pick up a lot of it. I've read uh, Tim Challey's review of it. And one thing he said about the inerrancy of Scripture is that he walked away with, let's not assume it, the inerrancy of Scripture. Let's preach it. Let's think through it. Let's live it. Scripture is inerrant. Before that, we went to conferences. Uh, T4G had one on, let's not assume the gospel, the unassumed gospel. And I got to thinking about that, and let's think about that as far as prayer is concerned. Let's not assume prayer. Now, Mark prayed that, you know, and, and we have read that God knows our needs before we pray them. But let's not assume prayer. I think about my daily life before God. What do I think? How do I approach God, the God of the universe, the creator of all? Do I rush into his presence, pray for something that I'm thinking about, and rush away and get on with life? Do I have a freestyle of prayer all the time? Freestyle prayer is not bad, but if it's the only way we pray, maybe it's time to rethink how we pray and what we pray for and how we approach God. Let's compare our usual type of prayer with Paul's prayers. His prayers were not impromptu. I think they were thought out. I think his requests were consistent. And what are his different requests? What are his aspirations? We're going to look now at six references. I'm going to read them to you. And I noticed that, I don't know if you've noticed this, when you pick up a magazine, you start at the back and go forward. Well, this is kind of a magazine approach to Paul's prayer because we're going to start toward the end of his epistles and move forward. Uh, we're going to start at 2 Thessalonians. And I see my references did not make it correctly as I typed them out. But it's 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 3, through 3 and 4. And then we're also going to hit 2 Thessalonians 1, verses 11 and 12. He says... We ought to always give thanks to God for you, brothers, as it is right because of your faith in growing abundantly and the love of every one of you for one another is increasing. Therefore, we ourselves boast about you in the churches of God for your steadfastness and faith in all your persecutions in the afflictions that you are enduring. So Paul is praying for the love that they have is increasing and that they, he is grateful that their steadfastness and faith is enduring. Verse 11 and 12. To this end, we always pray for you that our God may make you worthy of his calling and may fulfill every resolve for good in every work of faith by his power, so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. The next one is 1 Thessalonians, chapter 3, 
verses 9 to 13. 1 Thessalonians 3, 9 to 13. For you remember, brothers, our labor and toil. We worked night and day that we might not burden to any of you while we proclaim to you the gospel of God. You are witnesses in God also. I'm reading the wrong one. I'm sorry. That's the wrong reference because there is no 3, 19 to 20, 19 to 9 to 13. Yes, there is. Here we go. For what thanksgivings can we return to God for you? For all the joy that we feel for your sake before God, as we pray most earnestly night and day, that we may see you face to face and supply what is lacking in your faith. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you, and may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all as we do for you, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. It's going to sound like I'm just reading all this in fast repetition, but there's a purpose for this. Colossians 1, 9 to 14. And so, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. May you be strengthened with all power, according to his glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy, given thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us from the domain of dark and tra transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Philippians 1, 1 through 11. Paul and Timothy, servants of Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi to, with the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God in my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you, making my daily prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you because I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers with me of grace. For both in my imprisonment and in defense and confirmation of the gospel, for God is my witness how I yearn for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that your knowledge and love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent and be pure and blameless for the day of Christ filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Ephesians 1, 15 to 23. For this reason, because I have learned of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Jesus Christ, 
the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your heart enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what God and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might, that he who worked in Christ Jesus when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule, authority, and power, and dominion, and above every name that is named, that not only in this age, but in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. And then Ephesians 3, 14 to 21. We read, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comp comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. I wanted to read a lot to you. Hopefully you weren't overly bored. But the idea of what Paul is praying about and what concerns him the most, and as you read these things, what thoughts came to you? I'm sure you, it's a good thing to meditate on later on today as you think about this. But the things that Paul was thinking about and knowing and praying for the most was the love of the saints, the knowledge of Christ, and to be filled with the Spirit. So, as I have compared this to what I normally pray for, I pray to get things. I pray for health. It's a big thing that we pray for. I pray that God will make my life peaceful and happy and easy. And when we read these things from Paul, I only know of one instance that he prayed for his own health, and that was his thorn in the flesh, whatever that was. But usually he's praying for others that they may know Christ better, that they will grow stronger in the faith, and that their love will grow. Now, being a child of the 60s, um, love is all you need is something that we heard a lot of. But I think Paul has something different in mind than what the 60s had in mind. Because love is all we need, but it's the love of Christ and the love for one another. Somebody once said to me, or I read somewhere, that if Christ was not in heaven, would you want to go there? In other words, we want to go to heaven, but it's not for this mansion, mansion in, the, in the heavenly walk in the streets of gold, but it's to be with Christ. So it's the love of Christ that compels us to pray. It's the love of Christ that compels us to preach the gospel. It's the love of Christ that we want to pray for everybody. 
but how do we love Christ and love each other? I don't really have an answer other than being word-focused, staying in Scripture and making it a habit. Keller said that we may believe in God, but our deepest hopes and happiness reside in how, how successful we are in our social relationships. When life is smooth, it may not occur to us to pray. Seldom do we spend sustained time praising and adoring God. So, some principles that were laid out for me of prayer is that heart needs to be engaged in loving alone, loving Christ alone, loving one another alone. Um, our church and our relationships with each other needs to be soaked with love and concern. My wife is better that, in that than I am. But still, how does that, what does that look like? I think I'm going to let you answer that one. Dependence on God. I've had several times in my life when I have no other alternatives but to be dependent on God. I am in a situation where I can do nothing more, either financially strapped or in health or in a job or whatever other things come along. You do all you can but sometimes it's not enough, and God will bring you sometimes to a place where you have to depend on him. So dependence on God is a very, very important thing. The next one is happy, a happy life, and at first it sounds like, here we go, back to, yeah, I just want my life to be easy. But the key psalm on this is Psalm 27, but in verse 4 it says, one thing of David says, one thing I've asked of the Lord that I will seek after, that I will dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. A happy life for David was to dwell in the house of the Lord and to inquire in his temple and to be in the presence of God forever. In our commercial-filled, materialistic world, this is strange. It's not what, when we think of a happy life, we are bombarded every day is that your life will be happier if you drive the new car or if you have the new gadget or if your computer does this or if you fill in the blank. Paul's, or David was saying here, that happy life is one that dwells in the presence of the Lord no matter the circumstances no matter the, where we are in life no matter what another principle is to study the Lord's Prayer Greg was kind enough to read the Lord's Prayer to us earlier but the Lord's Prayer has in it all the kinds of prayer that there is, there is adoration, there's petition, there's thanksgiving, there's confession. 
When we study and think through the Lord's Prayer, we can paraphrase it in our own ways. Martin Luther said you should pray the Lord's Prayer every day, but not as it was written in Scripture, but paraphrase it in your own words. As you think on the Lord's Prayer, like our Father, who is God, where is He, what's going on? But as you think through the different sections of the Lord's Prayer on a regular basis, the Holy Spirit can bring to your mind what you need. Maybe this day I need to ask for forgiveness. Forgive us this day our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Sometimes we need to forgive others, and we don't want to. But thinking through and meditating on the Lord's Prayer on a regular basis, praying it through, can add richness to your prayer life, and it can add um, an open door for the Holy Spirit to move you. Praying in the dark times is an encouragement a lot of times we don't need and a lot of times we do. There are times when we can get so dark and so despondent that we don't want to pray. But that's the time we need to pray the most. When we pray in the dark times, Sometimes it can be just a cry to God for help. Sometimes that's all that's needed. Prayer is a work. Prayer is a duty. Prayer is discipline. I want to think about that in a moment because a lot of times we have a laundry list of prayers and we want to pray them all before God. And so we sit down and we take out either our three-by-five cards or our list or whatever we use for reminders, and we just pray through them. And when I do that, I personally am reminded of the prayer wheels that you see in, um, that I've seen pictures of in, in, in Asia, where people are praying to their gods and they put the prayers on a piece of paper and as the wind blows them the wheel spins and they feel that every time the wheel spins all the prayers on the prayer card are prayed before God. And to me that just seems like it's endless repetition, mindless repetitions of prayers before God. And that's sometimes how I feel about my laundry list, if we can use that, of prayers. The encouragement that I've had is to take each one of those and wrestle with God about them. How does this glorify God? How does this fulfill one of his promises? How does this help the person I am praying for? What am I praying for specifically? It's not wrong to pray for good health for somebody. But sometimes God uses things in our lives to give us a wake-up call. And if we just pray for good health, sometimes we may be circumventing what God is trying to do. So when I pray for good health for myself or for my wife or my loved ones or for you, the prayer is not that we will be healthy again. Prayer has to be that God will use this for his glory, that I will learn the lessons that he wants me to learn, 
and that God will be glorified through it all because a happy life is not necessarily a healthy life. A happy life is one in God's presence. A healthy life is one that God can be glorified through. It's a discipline. The, the monks had uh, six times of prayer a day where every three hours they were praying and they found out it was not sustainable because getting up at midnight and then at 3 a.m. and then at 6 a.m. they could not do all the times. Luther recommends three times of prayer. When you arise at noon and at, in the evening, um, sometimes that's difficult. Sometimes twice a day is terrific. In the morning when you rise in the evening, but it's a discipline to do. Even if you do it once a day, pray. Because it gives us perspective on the day. It lets us know who's in charge of the day. It gives us strength. It gives us a spiritual reality of who God is and who's in charge. It gives us trust. Because we don't know what a day will happen, what's going to happen this day. It gives us surrender. Now, surrender is something that we don't want to do all the time. I like to know that I'm in control of things, and God reminds me from time to time. He does that by interrupting my schedule with something that I wasn't planning on doing. But we still allow that to happen. Surrender each day to God. It does also give us self-knowledge. Um, we get to know ourselves by being more dependent on God. When we think we know ourselves, God is not always going to allow that to happen, and he will reveal something about us that we have forgotten or we want to put down. So in our practice of prayer, there are several ways in which we can pray. I've always used uh, the Acts um, idea because it's an acronym that I can easily remember. It starts with uh, adoration or awe of God. Who are you? Who am I talking to? It puts me in mind of Isaiah 6 where we are in God's throne room and there are angels about and there is the smoke of incense of the prayers of the saints and the angels are saying holy, holy, holy is God almighty we approach God with adoration and awe and understanding of who he is it leads us directly into confession because knowing God and knowing ourselves there's a marked difference between us. It leaves us into thanksgiving. You know, we have access to God only through Jesus Christ. If it wasn't for Christ, our access to God would be a symbol of what Christ is going to be doing through a sacrificed lamb. In the Old Testament, access to God was given through the tabernacle, through the temple through a lamb that we sacrifice for our sins. 
and access to God is now so freely given to us that we can do it anytime, anywhere. And it's, um, it's something to be, that I am very grateful for. God is amazing. And then it comes to supplication, petitions, let them be known to God. We are to sometimes come to him as little children. Sometimes we come to him as more adults. I think we came to him every time as little children. We would have to stop and think, are we really maturing in the faith? And if we came to him all the time as adults, do we really have the simple faith of a child that sometimes it takes? A blend is always necessary, but it's something that we need to think through. Prayer is something we need to take seriously. In our practice, there are more, there, there are, I have uh, five types of prayer. We tried with Invocation or evocation, where we call upon the name of the Lord. Who is God? Calling out. Thinking about who God is. The next one would be meditation. As we meditate in Scripture, we read Scripture hopefully regularly. There are many ways in which we can read through Scripture. Some use a couple chapters a day. Some use a prayer or a reading calendar. Let me encourage you to be constantly in the Word, constantly reading through Scripture. Read it through over and over again, because you know every word in Scripture is inspired by God. Every book in the Bible is something that we can meditate on. Is written for you, and so as we meditate and think through and read scripture, we can tease it out in our prayer. Then there's called what is called a word prayer, where we pray scripture back to God, where we take something like Psalm 27.4 and say, Lord, I pray this like David did, that you will bring me into the house of the Lord and that I will think through and be happy in your presence on a daily basis, and that my happiness is dependent on God and being in your presence. My happiness is not dependent on the new widget that I just bought or in my new vacation, but my happiness is dependent on you. My happiness is depending on what God has just shown me. There's also free prayer. Free prayer is the impromptu thing. It's the thing that something comes in your mind and you pray for it. It's something that, for the greater part of my life, that I did the most because that's how I prayed. And it's something that is a good thing to do, but I think it needs to be balanced with everything else. Then as we go through the day, what are you contemplating? What are you thinking about? What are we meditating on? It sounds like our day should be scripture-saturated, prayer-focused. How do we get anything done? 
How do we work in our day-to-day -day life if we take all of these things seriously? Obviously, we need to work. Obviously, we need to think things through. If you have a job that requires mental acuity, then you need to think about those things. But at the same time, when we have a break, what are, where do we go? Where we have a lunch hour, where do we go? When we go home, on our transportation home, on our drive home, what do we do? As we wake up in the morning, where is our mind? Because let me encourage you, and I'm speaking this to myself more than to you, because many of you are prayer warriors, and I know this. And many of us need to think this through and be encouraged to pray. So as we think this through, think of acts, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. Think of evocation, meditation, word prayer, free prayer, contemplation. Fix our mind, fix our hearts on Christ. Let him be glorified in all we do because Christ is the one Christ is the one that we live by. He is the one that is glorified or not glorified in all we do. He is the one that is going to uh, sustain us in this life and the life to come. You know, I was reminded that the rapture is going to happen. I don't care if you're a pre-trib, post-trib, A-mill person, but the rapture is going to happen. There is an end times. We are going to live forever in Christ's presence. Heaven is going to be there. There is going to be an eternal state where we live for Christ, for, with Christ forever and ever and ever. I am looking forward to that. The way that we usher his presence in, or are ushered into his presence right now, is through prayer.